28 of Story Mode Every Game Podcast, the official podcast of StoryModeGaming.com. I'm your host, Jesse, who is the President Monroe, and I'm joined tonight by Keelan Hard Hat Summer Simpson and Simon Glizzy Eating Champion Evans. How are we doing, lads? I wanted to be Byron, Much but I'll, I'll take it. There's such a small, sm- I would say that the Venn diagram of people who know that reference I've made in our podcast is us three. <laughs> yeah, you know probably. What? Works for me. Fucking <laughs> fantastic. I'm happy. I right. will laugh every time I hear that. So fuck yeah. That was awesome. Thank you. How we doing? How's things? Yeah, good. I have been uh, playing a lot of Gloomhaven recently. Um, a board game now available on PC. Uh, the board game itself is really cool, really fun, but it is a fucking commitment. And uh, my my good friend had has the board game. We played it for a bit. It's really hard for me to commit because they live on the complete opposite side of Perth, which is like a bajillion miles away. So... Now being able to play it on PC, it's really good. It's a fucking good game. And uh, yeah, if anyone's I, interested... I have in heard a, good things about Gloomhaven. If anyone's interested in like an episode a, where we just... just... Gone? Gone? Uh, I was going to say... Um, well? <laughs> uh, yeah, like it, it's if you are after a good RPG tabletop sort of experience, something similar to like your D&D or your Divinity Original Sin 2, things like that. If you want something to scratch that itch, Gloomhaven is absolutely my recommendation for you. And as uh, Ubami, my good friend in the chat, has pointed out, October 31st, I was uh, gifted Gloomhaven by Ubami, actually. And as of today, 38 hours have been played. Ooh. So 38 I, I hours just, in a bit over a week. board game, you know the most complex board game I've ever played is? It's legitimately Monopoly. Monopoly yep. I don't sucks. know board game people in Melbourne. Me Monopoly's too. Great. I, I, I don't like RPGs. board games. They don't work for me. I'm so sorry, guys. Like it's just. I think I it's just so you bored. haven't played the right board games. Because I used to it's, feel the same way. Your fault, I used to feel the same. Sai, so, so it's too much of a time commitment. There's too much learning and like information overload involved. Like, would nah, you play? Um, what is it? The Rings of Dumb or whatever it is from the 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 Cones of Dunshire. Cones. <laughs> Fuck us close, wasn't I? <laughs> Hell Shape no. Them in a place? I would. Fuck I'd no. To. Guys, uh, I just came back from holiday. Hey, I went to a you went to a little country lockdown. getaway in Dalesford. D- lockdown's done and dust. I still have to wear a mask, but still. Goddamn lovely. Played some Mario Kart while I was there. <laughs> Played some Metroid Dread out in the in the in the country. There's a kookaburra look at me. Oh, I played man. Dread. Laughed at me when I died, which is it's a lot. Yeah, God, that game's hard. That game so is really hard, but oh, it's so satisfying. Jesse, I, I just want to like jump in on that there quickly. Um, before you ask me what I was doing, what I did was I played the demo for Metroid Dread Number One. Ooh, they are demos for these big AAA Nintendo games that you can play, and they're incredible. And there's like a good and chunk of it. PlayStation's trying to do that as well. They got a little demo for Death Stranding out now. So I, is, I'm a big fan of this. This is awesome. This is where things should be going again. You've got to give mm-hmm. people like a little little bit of a taste, a little morsel. Just a little nibble. A nibble. And um I played this Metro Dread demo and holy shit. 
legit the sound design in this game. Oh my game. god, dude, it's incredible. That little like oh. digital dripping sound when they oh everything Ugh. that that first cutscene where Samus is fighting whatever the hell that thing is, man, everything is just so intricately like designed. It's placed so perfectly. It sounds futuristic and like alien. It's freaking incredible. Holy crap. Um, that demo, I'm going to buy that game now because of that demo. Oh, so wow. It works. That's good. That's, that's where really do, good. Where does the demo go up to? Um, so you you have to destroy the first like proper emmy i think you yeah. get up to there it's it's like a fair chunk How of the game phenomenal phenomenal are the emmys uh terrifying Some of, i i i the fact that that is a pure horror game at points oh god nah, so it had good. me panicking man simon is the look at simon's eye is like he's so proud right now of uh, us <laughs> honestly okay so metroid is one of those franchises that i never get the opportunity to gush about quite as much as i'd like to i've had a very oh, weird relationship with metroid because my first metroid game was metroid prime and i had no idea what i was doing i was uh, a dumb kid. I didn't know what I was actually doing. And then I came back to it years later and sort of got into it a bit more. And I'm like, yeah, this is really fun. This is really cool. And of course, Metroid Prime is nothing like the rest of the Metroid franchise. So it was still many years until I played Super Metroid and I fell in love with the franchise properly. And yeah, just honestly, there's there's so much in Dread, which is just like, as you said, perfectly crafted. And like there are moments where you feel incredible because you came up with the idea to go through that door and slide under that thing and escape the Emmy and it worked and the game rewards mm. you and it's like nice thinking good job and that's, you're like yeah. that's what I I loved about um, Dread in comparison to uh, the Metro game on the 3DS is that you, you can kind of improvise a little bit more. You, you're kind of being creative mm. as you're escaping from Emmys and stuff and that's it just feels good uh, Simon, you should do a love letters on Metroid. Mm, just saying. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't feel like Plus I could Final do fantasy. Without. Get rid of those. Keelan, Keelan pushes me under the bus to do more work. Look, Fuck I, you, Keelan. I'm saying I don't feel like instead of Final Fantasy. I don't feel like I could do a Metroid off-air. love letter without our good friend uh, from Karen. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like we need to get Karen on board for that one. I don't feel like oh, I could do it yeah. justice without him. Keelan. Another game you've started playing, and look, I only want your really, really early thoughts on this because we'll do a bit of a deep dive into it next episode because I want to sink my teeth into it. I've got it waiting for me. Forza. Have you had time with it yet? Yes. Uh, One of my favorite things in the entire universe is the introduction sequences of Forza Horizon games, and Forza Horizon 5 does not disappoint. Um, that's as far in the game as you got that no legit like i did that in the first event (laughs) i got up at midnight and i played it and um damn okay it yeah it was spectacular um but the thing that left the strongest impression on me is the accessibility options um there's just so much like it's right there it's immediately accessible from like the moment you boot the game up um it's super accessible. There's so many options for like text to, to voice and um, changing like colors and that type of thing and like just making visibility easier for you. Um, it's really great. And it's a trend I'm seeing across multiple different games that I've started recently. It's I awesome. want to do a bit of a like an episode where we focus on sort of accessibility options in the game. I want to get somebody on the show though because I don't think we're probably the right people to discuss no, it at no. length. But I've noticed such a 
again from the outside what seems like an improvement in games this year nice little touches like far cry 6 yes when you first load it up every time you load it up it has an audio cue telling you to press x to continue and then you can turn it off straight away but every time you, you turn um you know you fire it up that comes on because it's like hey there could be a new person uh playing this who may need these audio options and it's like let's put them in as default i love that i've noticed so many more games asking the questions before the game starts mm. you know what do you need to enjoy this there you go have it and there was a, yeah i've seen a lot of things on twitter regarding forza and look i mean i guess there's a little bit of crossover with the game we'll be discussing a little bit later in the episode but a lot of there's always a discussion of should games like dark souls have accessibility options and the answer to that is yes, yes. Mm-hmm. there's no argument for that there's no discussion there it is yes because the more pe- people who can play games the better gaming is mm. but jesse everyone's like oh what would you do have an easy mode it's like no you don't necessarily have, to have like an easy normal hard whatever mode there are small things you can adjust so in forza you can slow down the game but it keeps the same physics so you're still punished. If you take a turn wrong, you're still punished for it. You're still going to hit, you know, hit that wall. But it can make the game, you know, obviously more open to more people. I I love that. I I don't understand the whole thing. It was like it needs to be hard because it's a hard game. There shut, is shut the it's an option. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, let's not go is... down that rabbit hole too much because I will rant and rant and rant. One last so thing I do one... want to commend Forza for is not yet but very soon there will be sign language interpreters implemented into the game yes which Uh, it's a shame they're not available at launch because that was something that was shown during previews and obviously it was a big talking point for a lot of that community and was like hey this is going to be really cool and then of course it's not there at launch which is a bit of a shame but look i think this is probably the first main game ever yes that's Actively implementing something like this, which in and of itself is huge. That's fantastic. I kind of feel like the first big game. Okay, now we are getting down the rabbit hole a little bit. <laughs> the first big game to have really notable accessibility options was Last of Us Two last year. That could, that really got into the news. The amount of options that, they put that in that was game. in depth. Yeah, and I think they're just like, look, this is one of the this is one of the top tier studios. This is one of the top tier games, and this is what they're doing. This is the new benchmark, and we need to hit it. And I'm seeing a lot more studios vying to hit that. And also, I, I follow a lot of people like like Steve Saylor and stuff like that on Twitter. They're being reached out to more, which mm. I think is really important because yeah. you know you can assume what people want or need, but you're not always going to get it right. And look, that's not necessarily the fault of the developer. They could have you know the best of intentions but simply you don't know what other people you know need or or, or going through and things like that things like that so i really like that people are being asked and spoken yeah, to they're asking those questions now and they've got things in there like being able to choose your pronouns like it's straight yeah. up when you create your character they ask you what pronouns do you prefer that's fantastic you get and to choose like your voice thing. as well like how Put you that sound in a goddamn well, pokemon game you know, yeah, like agreed. it's simple little yeah. things like that, which makes such a huge difference to the way people engage with these games. Yeah, huge absolutely. It's great. And like char- well, character inserts are meant to be character inserts. And obviously you can have a character insert, like a like a personal insert character, which, you know, has a bit of their own personality and what have you, such as, 
you know, Link and stuff like that. Yeah, pretty relatively blank slate, not really much of a personality to make it easier for you to, but they still have their own characteristics. So, you know, pronouns and things like that, maybe not as easy to implement in that situation without perhaps and the difference between playing, playing a character and you're playing an avatar yes so in a game like 40 you're playing an avatar and that that is you for all intents and purposes that is you actually right. you know what take that back that's not even you that's whoever the fuck you want it to be is yeah. it you cool do you want to play somebody else cool go for it um and anyway <laughs> that's, that's a topic for another episode let's good stuff. discuss speaking of things that actually put me in a good mood because those are things that put me in a good mood i've started playing a game and look I'm a little bit late to the party here. I bought this a week ago, but I went on this trip. I, I recently moved. If you're watching us on twitch.tv forward slash story mode AUS, you would see that I have a different background. My wall is now blue and there is a garden. There'll be some video game stuff that comes up soon, but you know, money and all. So I bought Guardians of the Galaxy. Square Enix's Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy about a week ago, maybe two. Off the back of what I saw on Twitter, the reaction people were having was like, this game should not be this fun. It doesn't make any sense. And I remember when this game was first announced. I mean, it was announced at like E3 or one of the 600 little mini presentations we had this year. There wasn't a really big lead up to this. And I just looked at him like, ah, this looks rough. I was a little bit jaded from Marvel's Avengers, another Square Enix game mm. um, you know, with Crystal Dynamics. Did you see recently they came out and said, Oh, Crystal and Adams was the wrong studio wrong for that. It's like, don't let's not push wow. Crystal and Adams yeah. in the bus. Like, you on, guys that's... wanted a, uh, you want you guys wanted a microtransactional orgy of yeah. bullshit. Game as a service um, model was hmm. your choice as the publisher. So yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. said like, why would you get Crystal Dynamics to do a game like that? Like they do games. Yeah, <laughs> like, they do like different games, single get player narrative games. Like, it's, yeah, it they do single player narratives. After playing this, after seeing. Guardians, which I'll get into in a moment, you just realize how much waste of potential there was between, you know, a Crystal Dynamics narrative-driven Avengers game. Could have been good. But I digress. Guardians, I put it on last night, and this game fucking slaps, okay? <laughs> this is a this is in contention for my game of the year, and it is in the top games that have put a goofy smile on my face. Okay, from the jump. You load in, you go through your accessibility options, good work, Guardians. Um, and then the license music, which when it first <laughs> got it revealed, I thought this was going to be a big issue. How are they going to, you know, games that have live and die on, via Twitch and stuff like that, how are you going to have the licensed products and blah, blah, blah. You can turn off all the license track, cool. Um, but also... Just don't stream it because I think you'll be missing out on a really, really fundamental part of this game, which is the 80s vibe. Now, look, the direct comparison people are going to make is with the Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy film mm. um, starring a fuckhead. Um, <laughs> I had to put the boot in it sometime. Um, which, look, he makes a few quips, there's a few tracks, and that's the 80s vibe as far as it goes. If you kind of see him in the later films, like Endgame and stuff like that, you can't really tell that he was brought up in, in, the, in the 80s. It, it, it's mm. no longer part of his character. Yeah. Irrelevant. This, yeah. You start off as... And look, I'm going to... Mild spoilers for the first few hours of the game. You start off as young Pete. And you're in your room and you're listening to a band called Star-Lord. 
and you're holding open the like gatefold album cover and it has all of the lyrics to all of their songs in it. You can flip it over. You can read every single lyric. You can then pick up a magazine and read all about this band. There's detail in this game. There is love put into this. Then Pete's mum comes in. And in the movie, like obviously, if you've seen the films, you kind of know she doesn't have the happiest of endings. She comes in. She has this big 80s hair. She gives that vibe of somebody who's like, maybe, you know, I... I you can kind of tell she's had she had a kid a little bit young. She feels like she had a kid when she was young, and she's still trying to hold into that youth. She's just she, she, trying to tell Pete like I'm cool. Like I listen to, you know, I listen to like Led Zeppelin and stuff cool like that. Like, TV you know. mom kind of vibes. <laughs> Basically, so she she sits down with you and she takes the headphones off and she's like head head banging her and you're like too cool for school. Pete being like you know nobody says rad mom. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. This back and forth, but the thing that got me straight away here this is the best facial animation i've seen in the game period and it's remarkable how much that creates a connection between you and the characters so she's talking like better than like naughty dogs work yes naughty dogs great but they have dead eyes I, I don't think yeah. really, Naughty Dog has ever really got eyes right. Yeah, I think that's and maybe fair. it's also. I think maybe like obviously like like Last of Us Two, it's phenomenal. But you're seeing sort of the same uh, facial animations over and over again. Not not I mean the exact same facial animations, but they're all kind of dour and sad. It's quite an intense game. Mm. In this one, it's it's. An emotion that's never been conveyed properly through facial animation in the game and cheekiness. Because she's having fun with her son and she knows she's sort of taking the piss out of the situation. And you can see just in her cheeks that she's trying not to crack a smile. I didn't know we had the technology to do that <laughs> in games. And it, automatically I'm like, oh my God, I love her. She's fantastic. She has this really heartfelt connection. There's that little like... You know, that back and forth they have. And suddenly I'm just engrossed as well. Anyway, she walks off. You go around the room. You can explore different things. There's like a Star Wars poster on the wall. Oh, she steps on a Chewbacca toy. And she like yells at you about it. Blah, blah, blah. Little nods to different things. You have actual band posts and actual movie posts up on the wall. Like for legit movies. Or ones that are slightly skewed to take the piss. Mm. Um, I, I think like... <laughs> when you go up to the bookshelf, they've also got like book names that have all been slightly changed. So instead of the grapes of wrath, it's like the pineapples of mistrust or something like that. It's something <laughs> ridiculous. I was gonna say, like licensing must have been a nightmare for this game then. Oh man. Well, you step through the door and it sort of it fast forwards to your modern day Peter Quill. Well, I guess modern day is the right word I'm looking for here. You're completely different from fuckheads Peter Quill in the Marvel in the in the MCU. And I think one of the issues that they had when they launched the Avengers is everyone tried to compare the Avengers character models to the MCU yeah. ones because they were trying really hard to be close enough to the MCU counterparts to really get your attention, but far away enough to be like their own thing. And they didn't nail it. It fell into this weird uncanny valley and then they had to revamp it. And I think at this point it's a lot better, but they did lose a lot of that momentum. In this one, it is bold. They are different characters they look completely different um drax has his he's more of a if you ask him he's teal 
he's teal and he's got these weird like circular tattoos that are quite different from the film um gamora is very different she's got like a emo fringe so i respect that cool work gamora uh groot is a little bit bigger and he's got like some armor on him and uh rocket has a little goatee which is disgusting i'm, I'm sorry um, but like rocket looks like rocket from the movies he's yeah sad, but he's a fucking raccoon <laughs> wait how much how much can you change a raccoon to be yeah, honest well that's um and then Peter's exactly. got like a bit different hand stuff like that. I don't know, he's got a bit of his own charm personality. But then you step into the the Milano, the ship, and it's huge. Something that the film, I always got annoyed with how the scale in the film never worked with me. Yeah, yeah. right. Is it bigger? Yeah. Is it small? I, I never knew. Yeah, it, yeah, is yeah, this, yeah. Some, is this like some, a Tie Fighter or is this a Millennium Falcon? This was some weird like proper TARDIS shit going on in there. <laughs> yeah. Because at one point they're all sitting in the cockpit and it didn't make sense. Anyway, in this one, you walk around. It's like the Normandy in Mass Effect. It's huge. Dude, that's sick. And explore stuff. And the coolest thing, and I, I, this is on the moment I just started smiling. You go up to the jukebox and you start rifling through songs. And when you're walking around a ship and you have characters, there is, there is so much dialogue in this game. It is insane. It's like an episode of Gilmore Girls. They are just... <laughs> there are just witty banter going back and forth it's super sharp the writing in this game but when you go to the jukebox and chuck on, chuck on white wedding some billy idol and you're walking around it they'll comment about it and you're just sort of like tapping your foot along to it it's so fucking cool anyway skip forward get this planet the what's not even a planet it's like a, a sort of an asteroid cluster being held together with this goo it is so quintessentially Guardians. It, the Guardians of the Galaxy art style is such a bright, optimistic version of space. Yeah. It's really bright colors. It looks like, you know, when you see like NASA telegraph uh, photos of like a nebula, it's bright colors. And I know mm. that's a lot of different effects on it, but that's what they've gone for. And it feels fun. So when you're space hopping through this area and there's these weird like fungal balls that come to attack you there's the dumbest enemies in the world it's just a ball you're shooting at them and then your melee is just to kick him in the kick him out of the air like a football fun as hell um the combat though is probably the weakest part of the game thus far what makes it Simplistic. so weak so as peter you play just as peter for the game but you can give other characters commands so at the moment, I've just got, you know, your twin pistols. I upgraded them slightly so when they recharge, you have a brief window where you can launch, like, a, a heavy shot. Uh, and then I've got the aforementioned melee and some diving and some rocket power and blah, blah, blah. And then you can have you know, a character like Groot who does crowd control. He can bind characters to the ground and you can take some damage on them. Rocket also does crowd control, but he does, like, an offensive crowd control. He will launch little missiles everywhere and then... Um, Gamora and uh, the big lad. What's his Drax. name? Strax. They do more like heavy hit, one target sort of things. Mm. So it, 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 it's a nice little dance that you do. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it good. It's good. It's good. Not if great. It's good. If I may. Um, yes. Now, I haven't played the game myself, but I have watched uh, some content regarding it, uh, including... Uh, the completionist and his review of it and 
I think a lot of people have shared very similar sentiments in the sense that the combat itself isn't much of a challenge. It does evolve quite nicely and you do get some different abilities and combos and stuff that you can do. The crafting um, and stuff so you can get upgraded and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and like that in and of itself is pretty fun, pretty straightforward. There is also a team huddle ability, which... Well, okay, okay, wait, I didn't get into that. <laughs> huddle ability is the coolest mechanic put into a game since the double jump okay <laughs> it is fucking phenomenal so the first time you encounter this is you're in a you're fighting different forms of these fungal blobs they get bigger and bigger and they get more and more legs um and sort of a running joke as you go through this area and you start losing and then you it prompts you to do the huddle and when you do the huddle the battle basically stops all the characters run up to peter and they're all like, Peter, they're laughing at us out there. You know, we need a butt kick, blah, blah, blah. And you see different words pop up on the screen. And those words will prompt you to choose the right dog option. So yeah. throughout the game, there are dog options. Just in the banter back and forth between characters, you'll be given different options. And what's kind of cool is those options, actually, while not massive, they do play an effect on the gameplay. I haven't really got to a section where it's affected me heavily yet, but I was reading up about it and I saw that there's some just like offhand comments you can make that will change a firefight level into a stealth mission. Just little things like that. And at the end, yeah. they'll be like, oh, because you told us about that. So I, I like that. So anyway, you have these different dialogue options that come up. And if you, you pick the right one to give your team a pep talk, if you choose the wrong one, you still get a boost, but whatever. But if you pick the right one and you give your team this... <laughs> Little like, pep talk. Kind of everyone, you know, everyone, everyone get a knee while the coach gives you a, you know, a pep talk sort of vibe. If you pick the right one, your whole team gets a boost and then the licensed music comes in. Yeah. So you have like, I need a hero come on. Everyone's super powered. You're flying around launching shots. You have this kick-ass 80 soundtrack coming in. And I was giddy. It made me so happy. I don't, look, Guardians isn't a property I love. I don't, I think, the first Guardians film was good. I think the second one is okay at best. Mm. And yeah, it's not a license I'm familiar with, and I'm not the like, I'm not the biggest fan of eighties of eighties music either. But you put it all together, this 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 soup that they made is delicious. <laughs> I've been thinking about this game all day today. I've been thinking about these huddles all day today. <laughs> I need them again. And look, aside from that, the the game I would kind of compare it to. A lot is Uncharted, um, where it comes to the exploration, the puzzles, all very simplistic. I guess the difference here is you can use your um, teammates to help you out with certain puzzles. So if you see a ledge you can't get to for the certain type of ledge, you can use Groot to make a bridge. Then go over there. Drax, make, you know, he can carry a block and put it down for you so you can rock it onto it and blah, blah. It's all quite simplistic. This game lives and dies on its writing and the, and the connection you feel with your team and in that regard this game is goddamn thriving with me right now mm. i didn't i thought this game was going to come out and just be nothing it would be forgotten about in a week you sold me on it jesse if i can get this for free on game pass i will actually <laughs> download it and play it i'm not i'm not gonna buy it i'm sorry it's not that interesting. You no, know, I, I, I completely get that. Look, if, you, if you're out there and you're wanting something that you haven't played this year, 
this feels really different to anything I, I've, I've experienced this year. Look, face it, for the last few years, this is a fun game. It sounds like it and has personality, uh, which is like a lacking. Funny Stranger games, lady. quote unquote, funny games of late don't have heart. I think Borderland is very cruel. It's very kind of mean spirited at times. I don't, I, I don't find it has its own personality. It seems kind of fake. That's my opinion on that one. This, you love the characters. You'll hate them at times. You're, you're really roped into their their plight, and it makes all the jokes and the little banter back and forth so much just. It lands better than the films. Mm. This already feels like a better story than the films tell. I like the very different mediums, and I know you can probably get more into the lore with this one. Plus, you don't have the burden of the rest of the MCU over your shoulders, so it's a bit of a hard comparison. But like, fuck me, this is a good game. Now, another thing I do want to bring up, um, you mentioned the puzzle solving previously, and this is, again, another thing I've seen a bit of discourse about online uh, in regards to the setting for the hints on how to solve puzzles. And by default, it is automatically on instant. So as soon as you reach a puzzle, one of your friends will start telling you or giving you, you know, pretty severe hints as to how to solve the puzzle. And again, a few people have been like, look, it isn't that hard of a puzzle anyway. So I don't get mm. why you've put it as that's the default setting to be instant. I mean, I, yeah, I think sure, but... I kind of don't mind <laughs> that because the puzzle's there just to have a puzzle there. Like you said, it's not that hard. It doesn't want you to get bogged down. This game is very sort of kinetic. It wants to just keep flowing. It has a rhythm, this game. And I don't think it wants you to get... Look, and odds are you wouldn't get bogged down by it. But look, you have a team. They're going to spot stuff out. I don't mind that. I, I don't think that's something that they put in there to... For any real purpose other than be like, cool, we've got other stuff to get to. This Look, look this is not a puzzle yeah. game. Yeah, look, perhaps. This, we've got it here. It could have just been like a, narrate, a narrative thing of we didn't want you to go to the next section yet until this dialogue was done. Now you can. Now there's blocks available to move or whatever. Yeah, which in so and of I, itself, I, I don't think isn't, it's an issue at all. You know, I think it's minor enough of an issue that I, also, again, it's a setting you can change. But I think it's something that you know people should be aware is the default setting that it will tell you instantly how to solve the puzzle as soon as you get to it. And for those who enjoy a bit of a puzzle every now and then, might not necessarily be the greatest thing if you want that little if bit. If you of bought that. Square Enix's Guardians of the Galaxy for the puzzles. You're done fucked up. Go play Tetris Mania. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but let's move on to the next topic. This is a lot of good news this episode. I like this. PlayStation PC. So last week, Sony officially launched PlayStation PC. The banner, which all of its future PC ports will fall under. So we've had a few games that have come, you know, PlayStation games that have come through on PC. To varying degrees of goodness. And uh, Keelan, I want your rundown on, on a few of these. Horizon Zero Dawn was the first big one. Came up on Steam uh, August 2020. You had a few issues with that, right, Keels? There were problems at launch. There were pretty big performance issues. Um, and it was frustrating for what was, you know, a game that came out in 2017. You're running it on like a ultra-powerful computer and you're struggling to run it at, you know, the, the original settings. 
It's a lot of inconsistency. But they patched the shit out of that game. They they put in a lot of time and effort, detailed patch notes. Like they did things the PC way. Like that's that's the PC way to handle something if something goes wrong. You note down what, what it is that's wrong. You tell the community, this is what we're addressing. This is when the patch will be out. And then you release comprehensive notes about all the changes and updates and tweaks and bug fixes you've, you've made. It was great. And the way that they handled that, I think, is going to be something that they can take moving forward. Because the response, since they patched, um, patched and removed uh, the majority of the performance issues, um, it's been really positive. Like Horizon is a good game, and it's really Hells, it, yeah. it's it's allowed a lots of other people who were not able to experience it before uh, to experience it. That's that's a positive in my book, and they fixed their, their issue, which so many other developers just freaking ignore. They don't address the problems. So overall, a positive. Been days gone. Came out in February this year. Days Gone is... I mean, Days Gone was a game was broken when it came out on console. Yeah. Have you played it on PC? I haven't played it on PC yet. I will get played to it. Actually... I played it a bit and it runs better. And look, Days Gone is a game that um, Sean Everett and Sean Collins got, got me into. It's a good game. There is... Yeah. I, I really hope they make a sequel to that because there is a lot of extremely good content in that game that's something that i think the the people at sony probably realized like after the after the fact one of the side effects of releasing these games on pc is that these games who that weren't you know sort of raved about at launch they have a new perspective alongside having a new audience so um people looking at it through different lenses and oftentimes, you know, that allows you to kind of pick up the good inside of it. And then, you know, this game is being reviewed again by a whole different group of reviewers. And oh, actually, that, that could really elevate it, you know. And I think that's what it did for Days Gone. Kellen, correct me if I'm wrong here. This could be my console pleb ignorance coming out here. I feel like traditionally, there aren't many good single-player narrative-focused PC games. Would that be right to say? Yeah, no, that's wrong. PC game isn't really about isn't no, really about no, that. No, you're not you're, no. you're not right in saying that at all. But what Give you're talking what you're, one, then. what you're talking about is hyper specific triple A Sony like narrative style games. It's something that they've modeled their entire business around. Yeah, you're right. Not there's not a lot of that. There's all the multi-platform yeah. games, but there's not a lot of that one specific type of game. But no, like there are the, plenty yeah. of single-player experiences that are narrative. Oh no, 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 no! I, I didn't say there were any. There weren't any single-player experiences. I'm just saying there's really focused. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like AAA narrative-driven games. There aren't many on on PC. So I guess because there aren't many, when you release a game that is was a little bit janky on console compared to games like you know, Last of Us and Horizon and Death Stranding, blah blah blah. I guess when it came on a PC, people were a bit more forgiving of some of its flaws because a lot of PC games have that type of stuff. Look, that could just be my my my, my console ness coming out. I'm, I'm still stuck between both worlds, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Because PC gaming, look, okay, look, I've been look, for the last few days we're trying to download Age of Empires and and um, oh, what's the one? The, the 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 moving game unpacking is it unpacking? Yeah. Unpacking is so good. 
I would love to know, but I can't fucking download it. My PC won't tell me why. Anyway, I, I digress. And then we had, thinking of Death Training. Death Training also came out this year. You played some of that on PC, yeah. right? Yeah, man. Good. Dude, amazing. Like an incredible port. Holy shit, incredible. In three games, they've kind of, they've got it now. They, they kind of know what they're doing here. They, they know what they're doing. Well, some good news. Because January 14th, God of fucking War comes out on PC. And my God, does that make me so happy that more people can play what is arguably the greatest game of all time. Uh, we also have Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection coming out at some point next year. Now, a lot of this, including um, word about a port, of four, a port for Alan Wake Remastered and Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, uh, Definitive Edition... They were all leaked via an NVIDIA data leak a few months ago. Mm. That all came, you know, came to pass. There's been another leak because they just keep on leaking. That says that Ghost Tsushima is coming to PC in oh. February next year. Oh, that would be Death Stranding Director's Cut in March. Um, Returnal. In April, Keelan, I that's want a, you to play Returnal. That's a good call to bring that to console. Mm. I, I agree. I really agree. I, I'm very... Again, Returnal didn't click with me properly, but I think you're going to love it. Anyway, anyway, we'll get to that in April, I guess. Sackboy, a big adventure in May, which makes me happy. Um, and then after that, we have Horizon Forbidden West in September and Ratchet and & Clank Rift Apart in October. They are going all out. This is top tier premium AAA Sony mm. coming to PC for the first time. The- now, Keelan, you missed out on a fair bit of the generation, Sony generations. You're traditionally a PC gamer. I, th- I didn't think this? you were going to finish the sentence with gamer there. I thought you were just going to... You are traditionally a PC. <laughs> I'm a big, wrong. F- Shit. big fan <laughs> of that. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there, Sai. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Wish you could strike that moment from my memory. Oh, hey. Hey. All right, let's Sorry, not try and ram you? these jokes. Ah, he stole it from me. I was gonna motherboard make a, fucker. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about never mind, but include the phrase NVME in there, but I couldn't figure it out. I'm not as quick witted uh. as you two. Um, now, guys, uh, what was the question again? We got sidetracked. <laughs> we did. What are your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, no, so you missed out on a fair bit of, of you know the last generation of, of PlayStation games. You only recently got your hands on a PS4. How excited are you to, to get into these games, or has, has the moment sort of passed for you? There's like, the, okay, the way I see Sony's strategy, there's two types of people, okay? I've been both of those types of people. There's the person who has never experienced Sony's major first-party titles, um, and they don't really know anything about it. And then there are people who have experienced Sony's major first-party titles and would love to experience it on PC with the flexibility that that provides. Um, that's, That's where I'm at right now. When I see Sony say, uh, I've been playing through God of War 
on my PS4 Pro and it's a great experience. Picture quality is insane. It looks great. It runs at 30 frames per second. So mm-hmm. a few weeks into my playthrough, uh, Sony announces that they're releasing God of War on PC and I stopped immediately. I will buy that game again. Like, no doubt. I will. That's one of the greatest games I've ever played in my life. It's incredible. I will buy it for the third time <laughs> and I will play through it on my PC. <laughs> Um, I, I feel the same way about next, Ghost next of- year is going to be the year of God of War because God, yeah. God of War coming PC and then Ragnarok. A lot of I, people, oh. a lot of people are doing that same thing, Simon. Like it's just yeah, like I, feel- I want to experience these stories, these uh, these experiences on my PC because that gives me the the way the way I interact with the game on PC is the way I prefer to do it in general. Yeah, and with like, I, I feel the same way about Ghost of Tsushima. Like I'm absolutely going to pick up that game again on pc because yeah i don't i don't know i think it was just at the time when ghost of tsushima came out i was also trying to focus on final fantasy 7 remake um so i didn't perhaps give myself enough time to really soak it in and enjoy it and also the tv that i was using at the time was a bit shit obviously that that's changed now and i reckon if i went and played it now i'd be sat there going yeah this is really fun this is really good but it would be better on pc because I do that occasionally. I, I will occasionally be playing a console game and be like, yeah, but on PC, this would be perfect. Or with this option, it would be great. And, you know, like so, there's a lot of little nuances that PC gaming provides that is not available due to the limitations of consoles. And that's the uh, trade-off. Uh-huh. I sit there playing God of War like, man, this game's fucking amazing. Oh, holy crap. Look at the zero camera cuts man that whole sequence that was amazing i just goddamn wish i was playing on an xbox controller i'd give anything <laughs> in my life to play on a goddamn xbox controller right now and with Holy pc shit, i can't cut the feed cut his feed somebody <laughs> uh, but here's the thing jesse See, I, no i was gonna change the topic you continue i'm kind of the opposite um i i can't play sort of those AAA narrative games. I can't play a big game on a PC. It just, to me, it doesn't feel right to be... I have a nice setup here. I have a pretty decent PC. It's a good setup. I play... I like to play like an RTS game on a PC, stuff like that. But you know, and even the first-person shooters, I, I like to play on PC. But when it comes to something, a big sort of adventure, I want to be on my couch. I want to have my feet up. I want to have a drink next to me. I want to... I, I, only that way can I really soak into the experience. Well, so uh, again, this is just me. So when I when I play a game, this is gonna sound so wanky, but what what else do I'm I do? But wank? To it. Mm. <laughs> well, thanks, babe. Um, <laughs> when I play a game on a PC, I feel like I'm playing a game. I feel like I'm playing a game. When I do it on a console on the couch, I feel like I'm experiencing it. That's a really wanky way to put it, but I kind of I soak into the game a little bit more. Well. I'm, I, I I'm always understand. constantly reminded by a keyboard and another screen and my microphone and my desk and all this type of shit. Going I on understand. It's a, it's a comfort and immersion thing. Absolutely. You're right, Jesse. Yeah. That's that's a very real consideration. This thick booty needs a couch. Which is which is why <laughs> this little... Oh, you can't really see it because it's kind of blurred. But this little mini ITX case in the background. For listeners, he's pointing to his penis right now. It's, it's, yeah, it's small his and portable. <laughs> and I can plug it into my 4K TV and sit oh, back and not. chill and relax and play those games. Nice. It's so, awesome. Moved into this new house and I straight away thought, you know what I need? A new TV. 
I have a great TV. It's like a, it's a 65 inch Sony Bravia. Love it. I'm giving proper looks at the 85 inch TVs. So was proper, I, Jesse? Like, because we move into this place and already got a TV mount on, on like, you know, bolted to the wall. Really nice setup. When we put our TV on there, it's a little bit too high. It doesn't work. So we heard on the entertainment unit. But I'm like, you know what would work on that? A big fucking movie screen. <laughs> I'm going to... Okay, this is... I think it may happen next year. This is slightly off topic, but um, my my boss swears by his projector, which mm. can't get by, I can't, a lot of people I can't do. Bear with me, because it gives him a 120-inch screen, and he's gone for some premium-level shit. It's got, like, less than a one-millisecond response time, so anything coming through that is even quicker than if you were playing on a TV. And, it, yeah, I, I don't know what his backing is or anything like that, but it's just apparently the nicest shit he's ever done for himself. I've got a few complaints about... Um, oh man, we should so do an episode just about our setups and stuff. So it's hear about all the complaints you have. Um, but I, I can't get behind um, projectors because I can't get behind them. But I better not be in front of them because <laughs> it causes the shadow. Um, I find that the, the color quality isn't great. Um, black isn't a true black on them because you can't really project that. It kind of it's kind of depend on the light within the room. You need to adjust so much lighting in the room itself. Your room needs to be long enough to actually warrant. He's got the, a, the size of the screen. I think he's got a relatively small like room in terms of that length. Mm. Uh, I can't remember how he how he got it set up, but I can find out for you and let you know. Um, because like, yeah, also swears by it. Like honestly, through and through, there's been dramatic improvements to projector technology since we were in high school using projectors. Right. 100% like, but (laughs) I I went down the rabbit hole a while ago and I found that, and again, I mean, look, it's probably changed since then, but a few years ago, if you wanted something at the quality of a TV, that was probably about 7K, 7 grand, you had to spend about 10K on a projector. It's pretty pricey. Simon still, is yes. now showing us a projector. Yeah, so I just, I just want to point something out. No, because Keelan mentioned projectors that you would have used in high school. Now, I have this projector. I took it from Simon work. Simon robbed a high school. Uh, no, <laughs> not this time. Not for this projector. I took it from work. Uh, basically, work went through a whole bunch of some of their old stuff in storage. And we're like, hey, this is completely useless. Here's a whole bunch of shit anyone take what you want really and occasionally you'll get something pretty decent out of it and um i came across this beast of a projector and everyone else was like home, it looks like a this looks like a um uh, somebody trying to make their own ps1 kind of yeah like that's that's a pretty good description and it is absolutely one of those projectors that you would like if you ever went into an office in like 2006 and someone was doing a presentation. It would be that sort of projector. It looks like a prop from Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. Almost, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like upcoming technology. But there's there's a reason why I picked it up, and that's because it's got component input. And at the time, I didn't have a proper CRT TV, and this does a four by three aspect ratio. So I was like, cool. This is how I'm going to play GameCube games for the next few months, well, until I get a CRT TV. And 
it was shit. It was so bad because no. the picture. Look at that. I'm right. All projection projective garbage. Even the ones at the cinema. Even the one the IMAX. Fucking more. That's what I say. Let's roll to our next topic. Because <laughs> speaking of divisive, a game that I think we're gonna have slightly different opinions on to maybe the greater public. Elden Ring, the oldest of the rings. Uh, the new game coming out from From Software in conjunction with George Railroad Martin. <sighs> it's continuing their legacy of you know, the, the Souls, Souls-like games, uh, Soulsborne, or whatever the fuck they call it. They made Dark another Souls. Souls game, guys. It's literally just yeah, another Souls game. Yeah, it is. Look. It is. Come out, what, next January, next February? It got delayed, whatever. We saw some gameplay footage of it. We got like 15, 20 minutes of it um, last week, and we got to see what the game actually is and look like Keelan said it is another Dark Souls games now let's just, I'm going to preface this by saying none of us are big Dark Souls fans or you know, Soulsborne fans now I feel like I have to say that because every time I've seen somebody online say hey this game doesn't look great it's scary what happens mm, I'm yeah. scared of the internet Keelan you were saying you had some hot Piping hot opinions on this one. Okay. Jump on in. Look. A hot lot like of, a side of grace. You know a, what I mean? A, 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 a mm. lot of my my gripes center around how the game was presented. Uh in in the 16 minute long video presentation. There's just there were a lot of cuts, like fades to black. Mm. Like you're in the middle of a fucking boss fight and you're doing cuts. Like, is your game... Like, what are you say, think, What are you telling me here? Are you saying that your game is boring? Like, that I don't no, need to I think see they, it all? They're, they're saying to- me some narrative, some narrative stuff or some surprises. Because the, the boss you're, fight, you're talking about, I imagine, was um, Godric the Golden. The man yes. with too many arms and then one of the arms was a dragon. Just a lot. But when you're first fighting mm. him, he's got all these arms and you're fighting him. And then they cut to black and it comes back. And he's one of his arms is like a dragon's head. Clearly, there's been some sort of transformation there. They, they don't want to give that away. Yeah, but, but I, I agree. the The presentation itself felt a little bit. There's dated. still a, there's Indeed. still a lot in between there where it was just like all that he did was attack, and you cut between that. Like you're trying to speed up the animations or some shit like that. I don't know. Anyway, the whole presentation itself was lackluster. You spent like a minute and a half explaining how a fucking map works. That's insulting to me. Yeah. Like, how dare you waste my time? Do you think I'm that stupid? Um, on top of that, the map is literally just Breath of the Wild's map. It's it's literally the same thing. It's exactly that, the same the thing. That's what game was. It was it's Dark Breath Souls of the Wild. slash, slash um, Bloodborne meet Breath of the Wild meets, which I like, what Teensy game bit of Far Cry. Far Cry. Teensy bit of Far Cry. I would actually Cry. say Ghost of Tsushima because of the, the kind of environment... They're trying to have a very interesting area. It's like you got the Golden Forest and Ghost of Tsushima. They had a very similar thing here. Um, and then you have your, your outpost, mm. which not what I expected from this game. No. It's a cool direction. I, I, I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, I think the strong... Uh, uh, we'll get to my thoughts you know, in a bit more detail in a moment, but I think the strongest part of this game so far, what I've seen, is the open world itself, the world. Everything else just seems a little bit. I think the yeah. the traversal looks good. That's long been a problem. 
that's a long bit of problem for me with like the souls games like getting around is just tedious and always scary like there's never a point where you're like ah yeah i can just get from a to b easily um whereas this seems like look if i have to i can just like you know bounce out of here on my on my horse um and skip these enemies okay wait hold up you mentioned this fucking horse which was like a half horse half ram half magic what do you think of it because i fucking hated it so for those that haven't watched the tra- the the gameplay trailer yet, um, for one, I mean, what are you doing? Probably watch that first and then listen to this part, but whatever, you do you. There is a magical horse that you just spring into existence, you ride around and then it air. springs out of existence. You shit out a horse. A, yeah, you literally shit out a horse and you suck it back up your penis hole. I don't know what this game does. I don't know what sort of magic he has. You know what? That's the- it made, I don't know why that, that made me so mad. Put horses in your game. Make them part of the world. Breath of the Wild style. Oh, Breath of the Wild style would be a great game. Sucking um, the horse back up your penis really aligned with From Software's art direction as well. So yeah, like George R. R. Martin would refuse to be in the project if they didn't do that. Yeah, probably. Uh, look, there's, I I have a few things to say about this presentation as well, and I think saying the presentation itself felt dated pretty much hits the nail straight on the head because it, mm. it feels like those sorts of like early e3 demos you know from like back in 2004 yeah. where like giant oh, enemy crab yeah like exactly like that sort of <laughs> yeah. that's exactly the, the vibe <laughs> but no but that's exactly the sort of vibe it's like ah it's kind of awkward I have my own little theory about why the boss fight was cut so awkwardly, and that's because I reckon whoever they got to play the demo was just shit. I think they got a bad developer, like a bad player in to play it. They were like, I think they're looking too much into into that. Like, what did you think of the game itself? No, I'm just saying that just makes it funnier to me. Um, The game itself, it feels like a weird mishmash. It almost feels directionless. This. And I feel like that's probably George's fault. Good old Georgie boy. All right. George Robert Martin. Yep. I feel like I he doesn't get that. quite know what, what he's doing. George Rene Russo. <laughs> Railroad. Why do you keep saying that? RR. What else could RR stand for? Well, so isn't he Red like Rocket. A- <laughs> <laughs> he's from like. Whenever I, whenever you think of somebody who's written like some sort of like epic tales like Game of Thrones, I always think they live in a little cottage in England. He's from like Boston. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, I'm George Rero Martining here. <laughs> hey. <laughs> That's all I've got. Anyway. A Boston accent. No, it's not. Someone, someone correct that travels. for us, please. That's not Boston. a Boston accent. I know that. Hey, Mark Wahlberg, call, call up. Um... That's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like the art direction is really cool, but I feel like the actual yeah. world building itself feels very direction. So I feel like they, I feel like they don't quite know what they want to do. They've gone, oh yeah, we want to have this like looming existential dread, like we do with the Dark Souls games. Like the the, the Soulsborne stuff always feels dark, foreboding. And it really makes you feel like you're doing an uphill fight the whole time. Not one single enemy can be taken for granted in any of those games. And then this, he just... 
sneaks up on a encampment where they're guarding a a trailer? I don't quite get what the fuck was going on there. He sneaks uh, up on this encampment. There was um, materials in there to do crafting, which they didn't really show the crafting. No, no, they ignored that. They they but, mentioned it, and then they showed us this, yeah. Yeah, then they showed us, like, oh, you can take two different pathways into the castle, um, which is well, another just, thing. Sorry, just before, before we stop talking about the pres- like the presentation of it itself, I do want to mention one thing. What the presentation... I think why this didn't click. The ga- This was a gameplay trailer, but they stuck to that a little bit too firmly because it was purely a gameplay trailer. They didn't marry any of the story to how it connects with the gameplay. So why are these things happening and how do they relate to the story? And they said as a... What are you What are you in this game? Like a... Tainted. I don't know. Tainted. 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 Um, oh, yeah, that was a, it. The tainted. Okay. That <laughs> did not laugh. Um, <laughs> but if, if they said like you know as as uh, a tainted you were hunted within this um within this land so you have to avoid enemies as you go around this open world kind of marry mm. that into it but they didn't they just said look open world look map pointer pointer you can see in real game and in map crafting to, to, is there we don't call them fire what are they what are they called like fireplace whatever before to be yeah, fair shrines an, or, an npc did bonfires. say almost exactly that at one point in the thing yeah but yeah, the, but okay. All the NPCs the poorly, are gross and they're wet and they're a little bit too tall. And one of them was a Kool Aid guy, and I had a lot of opinions on it. Like the, the okay, voice acting was shit. I'm sorry, it was really bad. Oh, but it's, it's always shit in those games. Um, which is I mean, an excuse, excuse, but yeah. I would have liked something more. Simon, you brought up the design philosophy on the game, and look, I agree, it's tight. The character design, I love. There are these um big trolls and they've been impaled yeah. and they're dragging along a carriage i'm like okay that My seems really God. cool there's a massive tree like idrisil style in the middle of the map amazing you have these massive the scale surprising of these enemies you're in a forest and you're kind of sneaking around them you have these big hunter of a gaunt giants they look really Those cool things are fucking terrifying and then you like you had this like big dude on a horse and blah blah blah. Great de- and also old mate with too many arms. Great design. Also, did awesome you notice design. that one of his hands had too many fingers? Yes. Too many fingers. Yes. Yes. Salad fingers. Didn't like uh, it. Like there was like seven fingers. It was a bit weird. Um. Yeah. Great guitar though. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but it, it it felt fantastic. But it like I could have easily seen these enemies in Bloodborne. Yeah. These could have been from Dark Souls. It could be from Demon Souls. Like, I, I have to say, guys, look. Okay, it's I've said it before. This is a cross-gen game, so it's on PS4 and Xbox One. It looks like rough. shit. I'm sorry. Like, it, it looks look, it doesn't bad. look great. It looks rough. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think being cross-gen is really an excuse here because there's been cross-gen games that have come out that have looked sharper than yes. this. Yep. It just there's a lot of clipping, a lot of clipping, and this. It's kind of to be expected from when they've gone from uh, a, a game that is quite, you know, linear. So they can, do, you know, design philosophy and stuff like that to sort of marry into that. Whereas when they've got open world, they have a lot of space to fill. Mm. And maybe just, I think their, well, their knowledge isn't really with that. that that's my and, biggest like, concern is that they're not going to fill the open world in a way that feels good. 
Like mm. that that was also my concern uh, to clarify. Like that was also my concern with Breath of the Wild was like if you don't feel the open world in a natural enough feeling way, it's just gonna feel kind of shit, and you're not going to enjoy going through the place. Breath of the Wild, I think, handled it really nicely. I think there is just enough mm. mix of you know, random enemies and, you know, the Korok seeds helped fill that out quite nicely, even though the actual quest itself is kind of shit. But, you know, like, and then there was enough little civilizations and, oh, look, there's a traveller and, oh, look, there's a stable and, oh, cool, there's some interesting thing over there that I can go check out. They filled it out really well. And it felt like that. I have that concern, though, going into Elden Ring. I feel like they don't know what they're doing. Like, why was that enemy encampment halfway like right next to a cliff what what was going on there like what's what's the story why was there that encampment well I mean, it's a trailer yeah but they can't get that deep into it but i mean why why was the trailer just sat there why why isn't it something that you intercept part way on your weird magical goat horse thing creature no but what is. i'm saying is that, uh, no sorry I don't, I don't mean the actual trailer full of treasure i mean it's a gameplay oh, sorry, trailer. They're not going to go in that no, in-depth but, intro. All, no, 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 no. But I'm saying, like, but I'm saying, like, with Breath of the Wild, you can get a lot of visual clues to the story behind an area. Oh, there's a group of monsters here, and there's a village not too far away. But you can see in the village that three of the front yeah. buildings have already been destroyed because of the monster. What like, I'm saying is, you can associate. You get that. that from playing when you play the game. If there was a gameplay trailer for Zelda Breath of the Wild, you wouldn't have got that. But when you play, it, you get to work it out. So you got to give this game the benefit of the doubt that they'll do that. Uh, absolutely, well, I don't give them the benefit of the doubt. Concern. They showed none of the UI other than like one brief menu there. And none of that yeah. actual same menu screen from Demon Souls. Yeah, the, uh. that same fucking shit house menu screen. And um, I didn't see any of like the the visual UI. You know, these games are so striking looking. They have such a strong visual identity, but the UI in all of the Soulsborne's games are just slapped on top of that screen, and it just takes you the fuck out of it. It's too big. It's too ugly. It's horrible. Mm. And I I really hope that they do something to address that because like it's it's a huge detractor for me like you can't be immersed in something that is that looks like i can't look at those menu screens for one reason actually for three brothers do you guys know the mcelroy's can't say i do guys you do a podcast you should know they invented podcasting (laughs) um (laughs) McElroy's, they used to, uh, two of them used to write for Polygon. They broke up, they did their own thing, they did a bunch of video game things and they do their podcast and blah, blah, They have a YouTube show called Monster Factory where they go into a game, they kind of break it, they make the most fucked up character possible and they play a bunch of the game. Griffin McElroy, gun Dark Souls player, absolutely amazing at it. Um, but what they did is they went into the game, fucked up as much shit as they, as they could, like they, such as... They had a whole pizza level where all of the textures were pepperoni pizzas. And he had, um, what's the host of, uh, like, American version of, like, Jeopardy or whatever? They had him on, like, the shield or something like that. Anyway, every time they went to a menu screen, one of the mods they put on was to get the text from Dark Souls. And they put it through multiple translators and then spat it back out. (laughs) So, like... It'd be like a sword and you'd pick it up and it'd be called like Dime 
Just like a completely random word. I can't look at those menu screens without thinking of that now. It completely ruined it for me. Yeah. Um, just to kind of get back to the game. I think there's a missed opportunity here. And again, look, I'm, I'm hoping we see more of this in the game. Because like we said, the character designs could have easily been from Bloodborne, could have easily been from Dark Souls. The environment, however, is quite different. It's mm. a lot more bright. It's a little bit more yes. positive. It had a bit of a different vibe to it. I, I kind of liked it. I wish we saw that a little bit more in some of the character you know, designs. Jesse, there's that one shot where uh, the character's like really high up and looking across the entire landscape. Looking across. That was breathtaking. Yeah. That was incredible. Yeah. Show me more of that. I want to see... Remember in um, Skyrim, there was those... Uh, those woodland creatures, the big tall leaf monsters. Brigands. I really like them because they feel different. They felt different to anything else in the game. Mm. They felt a little bit brighter. They felt natural. I want to see a bit more of that in this game. I want to see all these monsters come from fucking the depths of hell. They're covered in mud and and ash and, and too many fingers, okay? Show me a monster that's made of plants. Let me show me something bright. That kind of, I don't know. Hopefully we get that in the game. I do want to start talking about a few of the positives here. Cool. It, did, it did something that when I saw it, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll get this. There was one moment in the, in the trailer, I'm like, okay, I, I clearly have a lot of complaints about it and a lot of, I'm a little bit weary of it. I think, I'm hoping we don't have another cyberpunk situation at hand where we overhype it based on sort of legacy. But in the section when you and your online companion, which we'll get to in a moment, are sneaking past these giants in this golden woods. Mm. And the game's like, yeah. some enemies you just have to sneak past. I love that. I love when an open world game... I, I said this more, heaps of times before. I like when a game makes you feel weak. I love when all your weapons are taken away from you and suddenly all you have is a pistol and you have to earn them back. I, I love that power shift. And that's what this does. It doesn't take all your weapons away from you, but it makes them useless. You need to sneak past these giants or you will die. I think games like, you know, recently Death Stranding did that. When you come across the BT, you've been riding your motorbike across town. You've been wearing out your boots as Norman Reedus. You've been pissing. You've been drinking Monster. But suddenly these ghosts in front of you, and you need to stop. You were not the most powerful thing there. Your weapons don't mean shit. Oh, some of them do. But you need to stop and take it a little bit slower. I love that. Um, Because I like doing stealth in games. I like that... that Tense vibe. Uh, uh, what's it called? Days Gone does it really well. Mm. It, there's some raining sections where you need to, it's in your best interest at least, to sneak, just to stop, get off your motorbike and just walk through them. I like that. I love that they've put danger into this world. And these enemies must have been pretty badass because you get through them and the next thing that they run to is a fucking boss fight. This man on a horse, this giant horse, because everything's so big. Even the NPC, just like loser NPC that's just like, all right, wouldn't you get you through the front door? You're going to get hit with an arrow. I would go through the back door. Yeah. Um, even he's like eight foot tall for no reason. Anyway, this giant man, this horse comes across around the corner, starts wailing on you and you can fight him. It's fine. Just don't, don't go near those big skinny giant things in the forest terrifying oh i loved it what did you guys think of the boss battles we saw so we saw the dragon at the start which is a bit yeah but the way it came into the shot was pretty pr- pretty cool yeah it really just hits the ground running then we've got the, the big man and the horse 
We have Too Many Arm Man featuring Dragon. And I think there may have been another one, but I'm blanking on it. I can't get what to I it. liked about the enemies, though the bosses, they are fucking relentless. Yeah, they're, they're vicious. They isn't like they they are vicious. They want to kill you, and like with some of the older games, it was very much like you know you understand their attack patterns, and you can beat them. Yeah, do a lot of rolling, yeah. a lot of cheesing. You find their blind spots, you can beat them. This one just felt a little bit different. They felt smarter and a little bit more dynamic they look like they're going to react to your moves a little bit more than being sort of move sets i like that i like that a lot generally you know seem like fun encounters in the souls games you're going to go through phases in a boss fight and you know that that first boss uh sorry the the many arm person dragon hand Godric the golden i am the lord of everything golden <laughs> that, honestly if you old man if you like I can't even get to what I I was going to say are you going to say that I could have done the voiceover for him because I completely agree no no seriously like someone by the name of Godric the Golden would sound exactly like that fucking exactly like that anyone call me up I'll do voice acting I can do English I can do that voice as well that's the word that I was trying to get (laughs) to that's it but um, until we need Jesse the thing that like really got me like whoa whoa this is really cool and different and unique in comparison to the other Souls games is that you can summon that horse out your butt and you can ride it in combat. It's yeah, it looks freaking cool, and you can attack like that, and then you can quickly get out of range um, of a counter attack. Like that sound, that sounds interesting to me. Now you've got like this additional way that you can engage with these boss fights, and, and another way that you can kind of. You have to sort of figure out what the best strategy is. Am I going to have to integrate my horse into this fight somehow? Like, that's freaking awesome. Interested to see what sort of counters have given bosses for that move as well, because you could just cheese it and just constantly just wide dodge every attack with that horse thing. Um, probably be I mean, some... speaking of the combat, range attack or something. Some yeah, sort of so magic. some like homing bullshit when you get to a certain yeah. point. It will just, some magic weird thing that will. Well, speaking of magic and combat good segue mm. when you start the game there are there are five different classes so you've got the warrior the enchanted knight the prophet champion and bloody wolf when i when i read bloody wolf i thought are they being like is it titled bloody wolf or is it like oh bloody wolf no. i wasn't quite sure wolf. it is titled bloody wolf um each available in two body types because we all know there's only two body types yes. um when you fight you know you have your mixture of swords and axes and hammers blah 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 yes some magic some range magic but you could also summon spirits and this seems like a pretty cool thing it looks like i imagine when you do side quests and things like that you can discover new spirits to summon um and they'll have different boosts and such Mm. so some of them you saw that he you almost like a stealth attack on somebody where you've launched these spirits out they've gone around there's four spirits that go around the character you knock down your hammer you throw it in your hammer they all these four spirits do at the same time as well they kill the character instantly mm. i love there was a section one some group one heavy you've got your tank and you're basically pottering around in the background while the enemy's distracted by one of the spirits that you summoned like that's really cool it's a mechanic from a different genre of game that they've integrated into this that's that's the kind of shit that i want to see more of why did you show me yeah. more of that why did you show me a fucking map 
Yeah. The part that got me the most interested, and look, it got me the most interested, but it'll be something that I do not engage with in the fucking slightest, is the online component of this game. So you have mm. co-op, PvP, and invasions. Now, invasions we've sort of had yeah. before, I imagine it's going to play like you know, past games. Co-op, self-entry. PvP. I wonder what they're doing here. Now, I doubt they'll do this, but I would love to see them go full For Honor and give us an actual multiplayer mode in this game. Could you imagine like a 3v3? Nah. Nah. I don't think they'll go that far. Oh, I think it could be... I'm trying to think why they divided up invasions and PvP. Yeah. There's got to be a reason they divide those two things up. And look, there could be further explanations on, on their side and stuff like that. We're just not well, well enough researched for that and refuse to be. It feel, could be cool. I feel like invasions are more just like you're going in to interfere with the world, but not the player Death itself. Whereas yeah. PvP, oh. you, you, can, you can interact with the player negatively. I wonder uh, if the PvP will have a specific PvP environment set up or if it will be mm. more mm. along the current invasions that you get in I more recently. it's going to be like that. It's just like in line with their whole design ethos. Like you're, you're not it's such a- removed from anything. You just You do everything there, like in the environment that you are in. The yeah. online component of these games, these sort of Soulsborne games, always been a bit confusing to me because, you know, the lore and the vibe of the games is quite serious. It's up its own ass um, with how serious yeah. it is, but yeah, it's, it's very, very serious. But then you, you know, you see another player and they're like dancing a little bit or they've left like a funny note or something like that. Like, yeah. I always found it t- took me out of the game. And even in this, you see they're playing cop, you find a treasure and your character's like, Doing like you know they're in awe of the treasure and the cop character in the background is like doing like a big cheer yeah. it's, very, it's a very monster hunter style <laughs> cheer it's sort of that jump in the air cheer which works beautifully monster hunter because that's the sort of it's more that's of a the fun game style yeah it, 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 yeah it kind of it, it works but it's like this felt weird and look this is just my own taste but I, I, I nah nah not for me okay. what do you guys think of so we talked about the open worldness the game doesn't go back to its sort of its uh, known strengths. It has dungeons. So the game becomes a bit more linear. It becomes Dark Souls for a bit. I really like, I think this is a very, very good idea. A very good idea. They're taking a massive risk with how much open world stuff is. It may not work, but they'll always have their bread and butter, what people love, they know people love, a, a linear path mini adventure. I think it's a really, really smart idea. You know, Jesse, that's that's how I know that this won't be a bad game. Like, well, one of the reasons. The other reason being that FromSoft doesn't make bad games anymore. That time is past. <laughs> long, long um, gone. Did you, I, I don't know if you guys ever played Chrome Hounds on the 360. Chrome, sorry. Pile of steaming sorry, shit. Sir, what? Chrome, Chrome Hounds. Hounds. It was a mech game. 
The, uh, FromSoft used to make a shit ton of mech games. Like, that used to be their bread and butter. For real? Okay. Um, so, yeah, this is their new thing. And they, they've nailed this thing down to an art form. And they're, they're like, kind of experimenting. But, you know, for, for my taste, it's not enough. But I think for people who are, like, Souls purists, this is going to be such a radically different game for them in and will hopefully be some sort of like palate cleanser almost you know after having played you know all the past few uh Sekiro um Dark Souls 3 so on and so forth Bloodborne what I'm worried about and I guess we'll wrap it after this part is and this is like a cycle plan I had with Breath of the Wild to an extent you're trying to save Hyrule but almost every NPC that you meet in Hyrule is a character. They they are their own thing. They are they have certain dialogue and stuff like that. They are a little bit larger than life. And then there'll be a few kind of civilians, I guess, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. going around. But if you kind of got everyone in the map, there's probably seventy five characters. You know what I mean? People just running around. It didn't seem like a whole. What is it? What is Hyrule? A town? A country? What is it? I don't know. State? Kingdom. Principality? I don't know. Province? Whatever. It's kingdom. Hyrule itself isn't packed. Kingdom, thank you. There you go. Because you never see... I, I, I wish there was just a town where you just saw more people just being people. You don't have to interact with them. They don't have to inf- in, interact with the story too much. I wish there was a bit more of that. But in this game, I think that's going to be even more detrimental because every person, every NPC that you see is going to be an octopus man, a pot lady, a, a ghost. <laughs> you get around, everything's going to be designed to be wet and mechanical and gross and greasy. It's like, what am I, <laughs> what the fuck am I saving here? Like, am I trying to save this land? What is this land? Again, I'm hoping this will be explained more and more in the story, but I just, I hope they create, I hope the story is tight enough or the world they create is good enough to feel like you're saving something. You're fighting for something, not just for the sake of it. I know what I'm Um, fighting for. To go back and just break the shit out of that freaking pot man. How the hell did he not break? Beat the shit out of him. How did he not break? That was weird. That was weird. I sound um, like a perfectly good Englishman, but I'm a concrete pot guru. So, terracotta pot. I don't even have my, a face. My personal thoughts on this game is that it looks rough around the edges, but I feel like it f- looks promising in all the ways that I could want a game like this to feel promising. Like the dungeons immediately make me think, oh, that's going to be something I'm going to lose myself in for ages. That's going to be just solid content. The raid into the castle where you meet some strange NPC who's, uh, you know, gotten themselves lost. And it's like, well, since you're here, I can maybe be a bit of a help to you if you can help me out. You know, you scratch my back, I scratch your I kind of deal. I love that part so much. And I'm like, cool. Like, I, I like that. I, I feel like, all right, I can get behind that. The thing that concerns me is, are they going to make the open world feel good enough? 
And I know, Jesse, your, your point before was like, oh, yeah, but you, you sort of experienced the story of the open world by playing through the open world itself. However, I do still feel like that could have been better shown off in the trailer. I feel like you can generally get a good sense for that, even in some early trailers. And right now I haven't seen anything that really massively interests me. So I think the open world itself is going to be more of a means to an end than it is a massive attraction point for me. So we'll see what happens there. But overall, I <laughs> I watched this get, uh, this trailer in 4K and it was stunning. So it is one of those games that almost for the visual spectacle alone, I want to check out. The gameplay, mm. the bits that I kind of care about look pretty fucking solid as well. I just want there to be another layer of polish or two applied before I 100% commit to it. That's my personal thoughts anyway. It sort of wrapped up. Yeah. Look, I think we have much more to say about this game when it comes out in February, March, April, May, whenever the fuck it comes out. Uh, sometime next year, I'm going to play it. I'm just... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Keelan, I just don't fucking know anymore. But you know what I do know? It's time to end the show. That's a good segue. Now, if you want to hear us not knowing about other things, we are on Spotify and iTunes, so make sure you go check us out. Give us a listen. Give us a review. Tell your friends. And while you're there, check out Fan Critical Podcast. They keep our lights on. They have a bunch of brand new shows as well. So go do the same. Give them the same amount of love. Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcasting places oh what, what they say in ads now is wherever you get your podcasts from i i don't like that because you could get it from <laughs> some guys recording some guy's boot you know under a bridge i don't know what you can do so gaming.com if you don't want to get your news from under a bridge you want to get from a website that's the place to be we're also on social media facebook twitter and instagram at story mode aus we're also on Twitch. We record these podcasts live every week. Sometimes, most of the time, Sunday. Sometimes on Monday. And this time, Nasty Tuesday. Um, it's at Story Mode AUS. We also have a bunch of game, uh, <laughs> game uh, streams. Um, this week we'll have a little bit. I think we'll have a little bit of Forza. I think we'll have a bit of Age of Empires. Mm-hmm. I think we'll have a bit of Final Fantasy. It's all bloody happening. Um, but also we're on Patreon. Such a fan critical. Chuck a coin to your Witcher, and uh, you get access to a bunch of other bonus goodies. But with that one, we are done. Simon, Keelan, thank you. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Ranting and raving about all sorts of bullshit. And I hope you had fun at home or wherever you are on the train, on the bus, and in, in at the zoo. Um, look, the only place I tend to safe. listen to podcasts these days is in the zoo. Any place you can. Any place you can. Tigers love listening to cereal. Fun fact. Uh, stay safe. Play some games. Be good to each other. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. 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 Mwah, big kiss for everyone.